read out of Philippians 3, 10 and 15 before we throw the first scripture up? No, go ahead and throw the first one up there. I always throw something along the lines of John 6, 63. <clears throat> it's the spirit who gives life. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. You know, we're required to just believe and ascend to that place where spirit becomes life and life abundance, a reality for you and I. And so tonight I ask, you know, that our eyes would be open, that um, the spirit of wisdom and revelation would open our eyes, that we would ascend and receive that life and life abundant. And I want to read in Philippians before I get into the message <clears throat> Um, I want to read 310 through 15 real quick. It says, that I may know him, <clears throat> the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that which also I was laid hold of by Jesus Christ. Brethren, I do not regard myself having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal and the prize, the upward call in God, in Jesus Christ. I just want you to know there's a goal and a prize and whether you feel you've attained it or not, it's not back there. It's forward. It's this way. It's the upward call, ascending to that place, receiving from the living God, from the spirit, which is life. <clears throat> oh, thank you so much. That's what a beautiful wife. Every time I read Hebrews, she brews too. She brews me coffee and I can keep reading Hebrews. <clears throat> Galatians 5, 6, and 10. So I want to look at this. Um, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, nada, but faith working through love. You were running well. You were running well. You were moving forward. You were going high. That upward call, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him, capital, who calls you. That upward call, this persuasion did not come from him. Anyone in here been persuaded some other things? That spirit of life, anyone went into a party and someone says, man, you're just not in the spirit. Something's not right. You need to kind of get out of that and come in and join us. Paul's saying, listen, I don't know who persuaded you of this. You are doing well, but there's a persuasion going on that's not of him. It's not Christ and him crucified. It's none of the gospel. <clears throat> Go ahead. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. 
I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view, but the one who is disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. I want to go back to a little leaven, leavens the whole bread. And that's what I want to talk about today, not looking back and, and leaven. And, and I want to go to the next scripture. And then I want to talk about this persuasion that oftentimes finds its way into our journey, into our path, into where that upward call that is life and life abundant that we miss out on. And every time we miss out on that, it's because we've been persuaded some kind of way. So I want to take a look and see where this persuasion comes from. What's the root cause of all this persuasion? Because it all reduces back to a root cause. Is that all right? Go to the next scripture. <clears throat> Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump. Some of us just need to be little old new lumpy lumps. Some of us, old Willie Lump Lump needs to clean some stuff out and be a new lump, right? Me, I, sometimes, sometimes what Paul's saying is it needs to be cleaned out. We need a new lump. Just as you are in fact unleavened for Christ, our Passover has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. <clears throat> go to Corinthians. So I'm going to go ahead and read what I got. I got a few minutes. What did we just read? We just read Corinthians. Go to Exodus, I'm sorry. <clears throat> He said that I'm the unleavened bread, that it's truth, that it's truth. The persuasion that sometimes seeps in doesn't take much to ruin the whole lump. It doesn't take a lot of persuasion to get us off the mark for that unleavened bread to be spoiled. Okay, it doesn't take a lot. of, And we've talked about in Corinthians that that there's a war about between us all the time with the wisdom of the world. Are they right? I think they're right. They say they're right. Science says they're right. They're saying this. <clears throat> God bless you. And then we we have the the spirit of wisdom and the wisdom of God. And it says, you know, it says something completely contrary to the wisdom of the world. And so oftentimes we're persuaded by things that are contrary to the word of God, which is the truth, which is life. You follow me? So, so he says that, that he is the Passover. He is the leavened bread. And, and we need to not let anything get in there. And if it does, we need to clean out that lump. We need to cut off that, whatever that persuasion is. But let's take a look real quick. And I just want to give you a little heads up on, on, the, on the feast and the leavened bread and, and the Passover. Because, and we're not going to get into this, but I would love to. 
You know, the Passover, um, the children of, of Israel were in captivity, and we know the story with Moses, and they had to, you know, let my people go, and we know the plagues that were released, and, and all those plagues represented um, going into death itself, which was Pharaoh. He unleashed this on Pharaoh, which represented death, and, and during this time, there was a, a Passover, a sacrificial lamb that was going to deal with death. And then there was going to be seven days that we celebrate the feast of the Lord of unleavened bread. But death was actually what we're dealing with. It's a day. We see that in Genesis that if you choose this tree in that day, you will surely die. Death entered in and got a day. We know there's a day of the Lord, that there's a day of the Lord that's as if it's a thousand years, right? So we know that there's these days that are important. Well, this day here, they were going to deal with death. It was happening in Egypt. So in Exodus 12, 22, it says, you shall take a, a bunch of hyssop. Now, now, these are branches that are ceremonial. They're actually in, ancient, uh, in the ancient Jewish culture. The hyssop was a rite of passage. It literally had a significant meaning. It was very important. So this rite of passage and dip it in blood, which is in the basin. If you go to 21, the last two words says, the sacrificial lamb. So we see this blood, and it's all in capital letters, and you can look in your Bible. We see this blood that's getting dipped for a rite of passage, that's getting dipped into, is literally the Lamb of God. This is the blood of the Lamb. And so it's in the basin, and they apply some of the blood that's in the basin to the lintel and to the two doorsteps, and none of you shall go outside the door of the house until morning. So what happened is they dipped it, and they, they marked the houses, and wherever that happened, wherever that marking was, wherever the blood of the Lamb of God was, death passed it over. It had no effect. Okay, you follow me? Yeah. This happens time and time and time again when we partake of the communion. What did Jesus say? That this wine represents the blood. And every time we do this, we have an opportunity to get rid of any of the persuasions out there that draw us into that lumpy bread the persuasions that are toxic, the past that we look back into death. Every time we do communion, it gives us an opportunity with the technology of the supernatural to reset our mind, ascend and receive from the spirit of the living God truth. And in that truth is life and life abundance. Go to John real quick so, so I can show you that. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the scripture, said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a branch of hyssop. On a branch, that's the rite of passage. On a branch, and brought it up to his mouth. When Jesus had received it, he said, it is finished. 
It is finished. Death is taken care of. The Passover happened on the cross. The blood was brought up to the cross, representing the Passover. Jesus said the last enemy is death. It is finished. Death no more. A new creation. I want you to get in your mind that every obstacle and, and problem and worry and, and all of the, the persuasions, if we reduce them all back, at some point lead to death. Everything. We actually go to work and try and get a better job to preserve life, to add to it, to do something to somehow extend it. We play with what's behind us and the persuasions that he's asking us to leave at the cross. We play games with it. We call it things like retirement. And we, we say things like, well, I'll eat and I'll live longer. Is it okay if you die at 80 rather than 70? See, we play games with extended persuasions of something we're so convinced of and, and indoctrinated into that he says, listen, I need you to no longer be persuaded. I need you to focus on me and the cross and the Passover. Death has no power. I know if you sit and think long enough about these things, you look at scripture and you're asking yourself, well, where is this going to lead me? Amy, it's so good to see you. I just want to tell you that. It's all we, I love to see your smile. I've backed myself in a bunch of corners a bunch of times with scripture, just to be honest. Can I be honest with you? I've sat and looked at it and I'm like, wow, is it really saying what it's saying? There's got to be something here missing because um, this is really, really just outrageously so cool. Imagine not having a worry at all. Imagine your life without a worry. Without, and I mean without any worry. Without any worry. Any worry about your toe hurting or a child or food or a car anywhere. Imagine for a second, there was zero worry of anything. There was no persuasion of any worry even there. It did not exist. The calendar was reset. In fact, this is the only place in scripture the calendar gets reset. That's called bliss and joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength when we get out of the persuasion of death and all of the traps that that brings us into. How that little bit of leaven, anytime we partake of it, spoils the whole bunch. How much of the body of Christ died? And how much of new creation is dead? I don't ask yourself, how much Jesus Christ rose from the grave, right? Death abolished, life immortal. How much of that body is dead? Anyone? None of it, right? It's new. You can't kill it. In fact, there's no way you can kill it. He said, you can't even take this. I give it because I got to finish the covenant. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. <laughs> Nothing of that death world is in me, he said in John. He said, the ruler of this world and death itself has nothing in me. 
And so if he's first fruit and we're that to come afterwards, we got to ask ourselves if we were no longer persuaded by some of the things that we worry about. And if we didn't kind of insert some of these persuasions into the body, what would our bodies look like? If we did believe, if we fully believed, now, we see glimpses of this happen all the time. We see people with cancer go to doctors and no longer have cancer. And because of the belief and the lack of unleavened bread being tainted, because they fully believe, they go in there with the spirit giving life and the doctor doesn't understand. We see miracles all the, ha all the time that have no choice but to submit to the nature of Jesus Christ. Why? Because all things were created by him, through him, and for him, and he sits over. Everything is his footstool. Nothing, nothing is over him. So when that nature shows up, things like walking on the water... Things like breaking bread for 5,000 people with a couple loaves or fish. Things like that because the elements in all of creation are subject to that. And when the belief lines up with the word and faith, that nature comes out and it's not tainted. There's nothing, not a smidgen. And if you have some lumps in you, I get it. I do too. I still got a few. Trying to get rid of it. Little bit of leaven, man. Listen, it doesn't take much for the body of Christ when we do communion and we receive. It is no longer I that live, right? It is what? It's Christ who lives in me and the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith. Yes, am I talking too loud? No. Yes. The life I live in the flesh, in this flesh, I live by faith. Paul says, listen, not that I've attained it yet, not that I've attained it yet. He says, yet I press on, I press on to that upward call. And anyone trying to persuade you of something different spoils that body of Christ that you take upon yourself. Listen, when we do communion, we know the drill, right? The father takes of himself the word it becomes flesh. He blesses it. He breaks it for us and he gives it to us to become that, right? This is how communion works. This is the power of the cross. This is all of it. And we're going to talk about faith in, in a week, I think. We're going to talk about faith because faith is going to be really exciting for you in a new kind of way because maybe some of you know this, maybe some of you don't, but sometimes we put too much in thinking we have to do faith. And, and we have to do all this performance to prove if I bring 30 people to the Lord. Now, don't get me wrong. I love it. You know me. I love that. Nothing wrong with that. But if I just do enough bringing people to the Lord, I just stop, stop cussing enough, or I just stop doing, then my faith will get big and all this. And, and we put all of this effort into performance. And listen, look at Cain and Abel. You, you know why he didn't love and honor Cain's offering? I mean, you'd think it's an offering, right? He grew up some, I don't know, watermelon and cantaloupe or whatever. What did he give him? He gave him the first fruit of the harvest. He gave him out of performance. He gave him out of the curse 
that you will toil. By the sweat of your brow, you will toil. Out of this curse, he presented to God. He said, man, ain't good enough. I'm about grace, not about toil and curse. Someone's hearing me. Luke. Luke. So I want you to go to Luke. Jesus said to him, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. Who said that? Jesus. Harsh words. Truth hurts. It's a tough thing to hear. Not even fit for the kingdom. Wow. Go to, go to Hebrews and we'll finish with that. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death. That is the devil. And might free those who through fear of death, through fear of death, through fear of death, a little leaven spoils the whole lump. The body gets spoiled by a little persuasion through fear of death. We're subject to slavery, bondage, Egypt, death, all of those things, all of their life. 16, you following me? Isn't there one more scripture after that? Or no? That was it? 15. Through the fear of death, through the persuasion of that death, something that's been dealt with, done with, finished, we want to romance and play games with. That's why Paul says, I forget those things, right? He even says, I regard no one anymore that way or in the flesh. It's all through the spirit of life. You're not even fit for the kingdom, Jesus said, when you look back. You know, in the desert, they murmured. They looked back. They murmured and looked back to Egypt. They even had the, they did what I do, and they did what maybe we do. They said, man, Moses, you bring us out here to die out here? They were dead. They were in Pharaoh's death in that bondage. They were in a place called death and they come out for a minute and then they do that thing that's really persuasive and they say things like, you brought us out of there to die here. At least our bellies were a little full. At least we had some crypts and tombs set up over there. Why did you bring us here? And God was really displeased with the murmuring because they kept looking back where they came from rather than realizing that he is the Passover and life and life abundance, that he is the promise that was promised to their forefathers, that he is. Didn't he tell Martha and Mary? He said, I am the resurrection. I am. Do you believe this? He said, I am the resurrection. Not I was or I will be. He hadn't been resurrected. Can you believe I am this? And that's what he's asking us is to cut off that past, to no longer be persuaded by things in the past, by fears, by what we did, by performance, by what people think, by what people say. Nope, nip it, cut it. Stop it there. Move forward. Press forward to that call, that higher call of God, because it's no longer I that live. It's Christ in me, and I live in the flesh by faith. 
and nothing's going to taint this flesh. Not the fear of death, not my past, not Egypt, not your Egypt. See, we're so worried about getting Jesus into our story, and the Father only wants us to become one with his story. Because when we're in his story, there is no past. It's just victory. It's the promise. It's the seventh day. It's the rest. It's the whole Bible wrapped up on the cross. It's the power and wisdom of people. To those that don't believe, it's foolishness. But to those that are being saved, listen, this is sweet little nectar dripping from us. This is the sweet. And, and we go up and up and up. And as the truths and higher truths are revealed by the spirit of wisdom and revelation for all of us, then we taste better and more. And we hit that place where the persuasions of old no longer leaven or disrupt the, the pureness of the body of Christ. And we live without fear. We live without that hanging over us and a past that's just guiding us through the, the rear view mirror. We live now a life of faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Is that all right? You guys all right with that? Yeah. <laughs> all right. And it's, and, and it's so hard sometimes, and I just want to throw this out there. Um, <clears throat> I've spent a lot of years, a lot, a lot of years reading different books, and I love books, and I, and I just, again, I want you to know you know me. I, I don't, I want you to know that it's so hard to get drawn into persuasions of people that think certain things. You see, the, the synagogues where the wisdom was and the teachers and the brilliant men that knew the scripture front and back is where Jesus would go into. And, and see, Jesus knew that there was something that wasn't there. In fact, those synagogues taught things, but Jesus said, you have eyes but can't see and ears and can't hear. He told Peter when he established us, the church, he said, upon this, you listening to my father and knowing that, upon that, this is the people called out. This is where gate of, of hell, Hades, death, has no bearing. This is where this happens. This is where I take you upon this church, not the synagogue where the great teachings, where the wisdom of the world, where all of the things, he said, you search the scripture for words of eternal life, yet you deny me right here. And sometimes I read books and I get into things and I go places and I hear on TV because I'm always doing that and always, always, I want more, I want more. That little guy up there is always spinning, never stopping. He writes, she writes, that right. Beep, 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 beep. And sometimes I get drawn and persuaded into things without going to the word of God and asking like, Paul says in Ephesians 1.17, please give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let the spirit of the living God reveal to me the truth. I need truth. I need it today. I don't, today, I don't go into the books I used to. I don't trust everything. I trust the spirit of wisdom and revelation today. Is that all right? I encourage you. I encourage you. I encourage you to open your eyes by the remembering the cross, by the, by the taking of the wine, by the breaking of the bread, and all the gifts that we've been given, the tools to reset us every time we look back.
and murmur. Every time I look back and murmur, I've been given the tools by Jesus Christ himself to reset and go up in the spirit and touch on life and life abundance and get away from that lump that's lumping me up, the persuasion of men. Father God, we just thank you for this, Lord. Teach us, teach us. Let that spirit of wisdom and revelation teach us, every man and woman here. You honor the heart that seeks you out, that seeks you out, that knocks and seeks and asks, and we're seeking you out. Our hearts are prepared and positioned right for the spirit of the living God to enter in and to bring us to the ascended place, teaching us about the wisdom and power of the cross, Lord God. We thank you. We love you. Bless your people as they go tonight. In Jesus' precious name, amen.